Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Holistic Health Hour with me, Aleka Thorvalson, professional holistic life coach. This unique and inspiring show allows us to look at our lives in a whole new way, tuning into our health, our wellness, and happiness from a mind, body, spirit, and soul perspective. And it is my intention to create a new kind of dialogue about our health, about our bodies, about our relationships, and about our lives, empowering transformation from the inside out. Thank you so much for joining me today for the Holistic Health Hour. I am looking forward to getting into this topic, which I think is um, it's, it's, a, it's an intriguing one. It's a big one. Um, and just wanted to take a brief moment to check in with all of you and see what you've been learning. Um, What's coming up for you? Are you feeling like you're in the midst of a place of change? Are you moved, you know, have you moved through it? Are you uh, feeling a little bit confused about just where to go next? Um, I want to offer that if you're in any of those places, and that can change day to day, right? We can feel totally clear one minute and the next second um, confused again. So just know that you're not alone. I, I wanted to sort of open with that because there seems to be quite a bit of shift and change um, occurring, lots of learning going on. This is what I'm hearing back, at least, from all of you, from the feedback from the shows I've done, as well as all my clients um, and even colleagues and friends and myself, that, you know, there, it's, it's happening. We're in it. You know, we are, um, it's certainly the, the times and the intensity of what's going on seems to have amped up quite a bit. So change is happening, and it's afoot. Um, and we and we know because I've I talk about change a lot and I talk about change a lot on these shows. Change is is really simple on one level when we're really just looking at it as the the concept or theory. It's going from a place of familiarity to one that is not so familiar. So it's going from a place that we know to a place that we don't know. That's that's the concept, right? Um, but it is so challenging to really traverse the terrain, to be in that gap of what you know and what you don't yet know, right? That's the space where the work shows up. And in that gap of change is where I see many clients, um, you know, certainly as far as it, from a coaching perspective, that's a great time to find a coach when you're in that gap of change and wanting to be somewhere different than you are but not quite sure how you can get to that new place, right? It's, it's in that gap of change that I think it's, um, it's difficult because this is where we feel our feelings, where we might face fears, where we are sort of asked to take these new action steps that push us out of our comfort zone, and where, you know, all the ways that we have coped in the past aren't working anymore. And this is the place where we're really required to heal these deep beliefs about ourselves, to really decipher with these beliefs which ones are, you know, taking us into a valued source of action where we're, we're ending up in the place we want to go, 
or they're limiting us and keeping us stuck in a place that we no longer want to be. Right? So that's a really important aspect of being in this space of shift or change. And this is where we have to call upon our courage and our patience and our resiliency. And the thing about change that's important, I think, to note as well is that sometimes we make the choice to change and sometimes change is thrust in our lives without our conscious permission. Um, I think we've all had that experience. It's really interesting to me what motivates us to change. I think that's really different for everybody. It's a subjective criteria. What, but you can ask that you know, to yourself. What gets you to change? What has gotten you to, to, be from a, to move from a place that you know to a place that you don't yet know? You know, if you think about it in terms of um, habits, you know, we can apply that to smoking, um, cessation, or releasing weight, um, or just being more disciplined in some way, that what did it take to get you to know that you needed to make that shift? And then how did you perpetuate that momentum to move forward when you felt the, the drag or the pull or the anchor of those old habits showing up? important to note. And maybe you're there. Maybe you're at a place where, hey, I know I need to shift this, but I don't quite know how to do that. And I'm not quite at that place where I've, I could say that I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I don't know if I want to get there again. So I think that's important. You know, do we need to hit rock bottom to change? I don't know. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. What have you experienced? I tend to, from my own perception, think that yes, it's taking me hitting rock bottom to change. And I would say that um, our physical bodies get our attention more than just about anything. Pain is an amazing motivator. Um, but I try to embrace a practice now of not needing to wait for the, you know, the, the bottom to fall out, so to speak, or the, um, for me to hit bottom for, for change to occur, to kind of seek it, to look for the first to pay attention to, to be aware of, to be sensitive to those first initial subtle hints of change or shift so I can really take action before it gets to the point where it's speaking very loudly. Because sometimes that's not, those, those conditions um, aren't necessarily fun at all. Either way, take, take a moment and really track how do you deal with change in your life. And I started with that today, that concept of change, partly because so many of you have asked about it and just kind of wanted a little refresher that, you know, the only way out is through and this too shall pass sort of truth. Um, and to encourage you to certainly to seek help if you're in that gap of change. Um, I also brought that up because we're going to be talking about a concept, joy, which has the ability to push us very deeply out of our comfort zone and very powerfully out of our comfort zone. So I, I, I think that we really have to expand um, into a place of change when we look at joy. And so I wanted to talk about just why that is. And initially this topic kind of surprised me. Um, I had a teacher oh, years and years ago that said joy is a very dangerous emotion. And I, I was so taken aback when I heard that because don't we all want joy, right? We, 
um, we have this, this concept of having to do as much work on our positive feelings or feelings of joy that we do on our more negative ones, quote-unquote, was a concept that surprised me initially because I was sort of under the impression that good feelings mean good and bad feelings mean bad and that our work was to take all the bad feelings we have, I mean, quotes, right, about that, um, and try to transform them into good feelings and just enjoy the good feelings and not really do much with them is just be happy they're there because they're good. So we don't need to, to fix anything, right, that's not broken. Well, I've subsequently changed my view on that a bit, and I'll, this show is all about why, why that's true, why we need to do as much work on our, on our joy as we do on our pain. Um, if you've listened to me previously, you know that I don't think there are any good feelings or bad feelings anyway. So that whole concept is really bringing us to the point of we have to just work on our stuff regardless of how we classify it as good or bad. Now, it is true that some feelings are more comfortable, maybe based on conditioning, maybe based on just who we are, and some are less comfortable, but they are not better than, than one another. Right? There's, there's no hierarchy here of if you're feeling angry, you shouldn't feel angry. If you're feeling angry, there's a reason why you're angry and to appreciate the wisdom of what that means. Because feelings are just feelings. Feelings are messengers from our inner world, our inner terrain, that carry important messages and wisdom for us. And I've talked about this a lot. I'm not going to go into that too much. But if you want to know more on that, you can listen to my show on feelings. It is archived at um, Blog Talk Radio under Mind, Body, Spirit, You. You can also go to my website, which is um, aleka, A-L-E-K-A, sky.com. And you can find all the archive shows there. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can find me there too. So... I did a whole show on feelings and, and just how to utilize them and what they mean and what are the gift of each feeling, that kind of thing. So if you want to know more, take a listen. But I, I really think that this concept will be important to understand, to, to really understand joy and why we have such a, a challenge to embody and be in that space. Okay. So the first point that I want to highlight goes sort of back to the way our mind works. And, and this is from a physiological perspective and from a psychological perspective, we tend to strive for equilibrium or balance. So that means we try to stay in a place of comfort, of boundaries that are known, and it's from this space to this space, and that's what we know. Okay. From a physiological perspective, you may understand this to, you know, our cells and our body systems work together to keep our metabolic processes balanced. There's too much potassium on the outside of the cell, too much sodium on the outside of the cell, then the we then our cell will manage that by um, secreting um, water or other minerals to help find that equilibrium. 
right? We know this about ourselves. If we have a hormonal imbalance in our system, then our body responds to, to keep that equilibrium as best it can. It likes that. It means survival is imminent, you know, when we're, psycho- or we're physiologically balanced and in a space of equilibrium. From a psychological perspective, the same process is really at work. Our psyche tends to operate from a place of what it quote-unquote knows, right? What is habitual and what is familiar. And this is really, we're talking about like our, our unconscious part of our, our, mi- our mind or our psyche, which really rules the majority of our waking hours. So this, this, this part of us it has a tendency to recalibrate itself So it stays in that space of familiarity, just as our body does. So any threat to us, whether it's negative, right, our psyche responds in a way that tries to get our, our mind back into that space of equilibrium, balance, whatever that means. Right? And it has all kinds of coping strategies to be able to, to create that space of safety. Now, if something positive happens, what's important to note is it does the same thing. So any threat to that known space of comfort, even if it's positive in nature, often precipitates a habitual response to get us back to that familiar state as quickly as possible. So you can see that at the root of this is is a sense of self-sabotage. And this is, I believe, at the root of most self-sabotage and staying stuck in what is familiar, right? Because self-sabotage is when, you know, we say we want something and then we go about making sure it doesn't happen, which is often unconscious or subconsciously. So this is sort of the, one of the reasons why the vast majority of lottery winners lose their money within the first two years. They weren't able to expand into this changed state of abundance because they were so used to the state of abundance that they were familiar with. And of course, this, this brings up our conditioning. This brings up um, the beliefs that we hold about ourselves, the deep ones, the ones that really matter. Right, that all that comes into play. But think of all the times that you may have experienced this self-sabotage. You know, do you tend to find yourself in the same place even when um, you would really, really want to be somewhere else? So when we talk about change, as I did in the beginning of the show here, this is an important piece to remember, that we're moving outside of our comfort zone and we need to be conscious of that shift. Otherwise, the unconscious part of our mind takes over and we get sort of shuttled back to that same familiar territory that we're trying to leave. So releasing weight, um, money. Money is a huge one when I talk about joy and embracing joy and abundance, right? Um, If you find yourself picking the same partners or mates, keep returning to old patterns or addiction. These are some of the more common self-sabotaging behaviors that shows up. Um, you know, have you ever had the experience, and I remember this one, you ever gazed at your child and just had that moment of, 
oh, they're so amazing, or I just this this this, this beautiful love and joy that just emanates from within. It's a, it's a moment of peace, really. A moment of being in the present moment and just fully experiencing that sense of joy or bliss. And then the moment you have that experience, a few seconds later, you think something terrible is going to happen. Right? You imagine them being stolen or you imagine them you know, kidnapped. Um, I remember I had this horrible dream once about my children being attacked by alligators. Um, I mean, I think pretty much as a parent, you, you, it's very common to just imagine every possible scenario happening to your children and trying as a way to try to manage or mitigate that fear and that vulnerability that shows up, right? So this is like the joy buzzkill. Um, you know, I, I can remember experiencing that with my kids. I can remember experiencing that once um, very profoundly. I was watching a sunset. It was a beautiful moment, and I was, I was fully in the present, and it was just bliss. It was just like this moment of 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 everything was fitting into place. It's no other way to describe it. I know you know what I mean here. And then the very next thought was, you know you're going to die, right? And this will all be over. And I thought that was so interesting. You know, that it was like this backlash of get you right back into the space that you know. Don't venture too far into that place of joy or abundance. It's that, so that joy buzzkill is that, that mechanism that shows up to equalize, recalibrate the system to get you back into familiar territory. So it's important to remember that there is nothing vindictive or vengeful about this process. We know this, right? Our ego, this part of us, this conditioned self, is doing exactly what it has been conditioned to do, to keep us safe by keeping us in this space. And, and not push the edges of change. To our ego, risk is, and, and is not a good thing, right? It, it wants to keep the survival part of, you know, survival at all costs, and that's the most important thing. That's that deep part of our um, psyche, right, wants to survive. So risk is, is, doesn't go along with that. So our habitual thinking resists the vulnerability that results from the possible change. Um, a great author named Mario Martinez who wrote The Mind-Body Code, very fascinating book, but one of the things he said that has always stuck with me is, to the ego, familiar pain is better than unfamiliar joy. And that's a really important truth. To that conditioned part of our mind, familiar pain is better than unfamiliar joy. That's at the root of sabotage. For example, you know, there's times when failure can feel like it's familiar or even the norm, comfortably even. We can get so used to situations, quote-unquote, not working and us failing, um, or to being around dysfunctional people or in dysfunctional situations, that it begins to feel normal. And it feels easier to perpetuate those situations by behaving in some way that either worsens or destroys this something new that's offered to us to take us out of that experience, right? The other thing that shows up is there can, there's an element of control that is achieved when we're dealing with what we have always dealt with. Somehow we feel better about it, not perhaps as a, from a whole self, 
from a soul self, but certainly from our ego self, right? We can get so accustomed to chaos or drama that peace feels completely abnormal and even uncomfortable. So this is where that space of self-sabotage emerges, where we might pick a fight or create drama or resist healing or recovery in some way because we, we don't know why we're doing it. We're not even conscious of why we're doing it at the time, right? The, until we make the conscious um, or the unconscious conscious, conscious, it shows up in our life as fate. So we may just keep thinking, why does this keep happening? Why does chaos keep showing up? And I really want peace. But can we actually handle peace? Can we? Or, or are we going to self-sabotage our way back into what we know? And, and it can also show up when our joy asks us to step out of our family norm, right? This is a powerful one. So this, this can be very um, subconscious or unconscious. If our father worked all their, his life and toiled and, and we, we heard about this, this was the story, right? Worked so hard, suffered to make ends meet. Then what happens when we get abundance from a monetary perspective? There might be a part of us that it can feel like a betrayal if we do better than he did. And that's another way that that self-sabotage emerges. So look at your life and pay attention to where are the places that you've been asked to expand into joy or abundance and that you've resisted. What's shown up instead? The other thing that I've noticed that can really happen is that um, we worry about the other shoe dropping. Voy or joy can make us extremely vulnerable. We have a lot to lose, right? We we feel like um, we're not worthy of it, and that's important. You know, there's another great great quote by Mario Martinez where he says, "Change cannot be sustained unless the individual has a self worthiness." to accept the potential benefits from the change. So at our core, you know, at, at, at our core is always this, this need to look at a sense of worth. Do we feel like we deserve it? Right? Can we deserve it? This is important because many of those limiting patterns that we have probably acquired or picked up through our belief system is that we don't deserve it or we always lose, right? So what's the point? If we allow it into our, if we allow it into our life to take up residence, we could easily lose it and then what? So much of our adult life is trying to not recreate the pain that we felt when we were children. So maybe if we don't expand into that joy or, or move into that direction, what would it feel like to be finally at peace with our bodies or free from fear in our relationships, then we might really love somebody. We might really feel whole. And what if we lost that? Do you see what I'm talking about here? So this is where, you know, to really embrace change, to really expand our level of equilibrium, to include new and more expansive limits, we need to do conscious work on our joy. We need to do as much work on our joy as we do on our pain. 
So when we do conscious work on our joy, we expand and we validate our own sense of worthiness, increasing our threshold. So it's like this snowball effect. The more we expand into it, the more work we do on it, the more we feel we deserve it, the more worthy we feel, the more we expand, the more work we do. It, it just feeds on itself. Until, if you think about really these limits, you know, and I'm holding my hands about four or five inches apart. Here they are now. What would happen if we expanded those limits? And that's what we're talking about here. And I'm holding my, my hands about 10 inches apart, 15, 20. How do we do this, though? That's the question. Um, and I think there's, there's conscious work to do it. And I've, I've created this little um, acronym that I use to, to create the process of shifting and conscious change and work with our joy. So I'm going to introduce it to all of you. Um, I, many of my clients, if you're a client, already have heard this. Uh, you probably have the worksheet, <laughs> which is awesome. I might expand a little more into it than I typically do in our, um, in our work together. So certainly you'll get something from, from listening, again, um, as, as I always do. I love to hear things two or three times from different perspective because I think it helps me to understand concepts. So here we go. The acronym is HEAL, H-E-A-L. And the, the H, the first one, um, stands for HAVE, HAVE JOY. I know that seems rather simplistic, but it's really important to consciously allow yourself to have joy. I th that, that's huge. Because as I mentioned earlier, being open to joy means allowing it to show up. And it means risking the vulnerability of it. So before we can do anything with joy, we have to really be willing to allow it to show up. We have to first begin to have positive, joyful experiences. That means we have to seek them. We have to create them. We have to have fun. Perhaps we embrace inspiration or creativity. Perhaps we laugh more. Perhaps we find a way to dance or sing. If we like to surf, we surf. If you like to run, you run. If you like to go to movies, you do that. If you like to read, you create that. If you like to garden, you do that. The meaning of life is to live it. It is to experience it, all of it, especially the joy. So the first step to this process is to consciously create as much joy as you can in your life. Uh, more opportunities to experience it. Now, I know that sounds rather simplistic, and you might be thinking, awesome, you're giving me a license to have fun. And I am. I truly am. To, you know, to, to experience these feelings of joy. But what you're going to notice is that this may not be as easy as you think it is. Why is that? Okay. First feeling. As we are opening to joy, we are going to be opening to all of our feelings. So if you have turned down the volume on your feelings in general, which I've talked about in the past, so if you have had to numb to a certain extent, um, you know, perhaps in your conditioning or growing up, um, or it, you just have had to as a survival mechanism. If you've had to turn down the volume on your bad feelings, then you probably aren't feeling much joy either because we cannot numb indiscriminately. So having joy 
means we have to allow all of our feelings to emerge. Right? So when I say have H, have positive experiences, have joy in your life, it means you may have other feelings too. So that's, that's an important piece of that and a reason why you might have resistance to that. The other resistance that you might feel is it might bring up fear when you experience joy. Right? And you might be, have to be very conscious to stay in that flow of, of consciousness, right? To allow the joy to continue. Because it may be very easy for you to sabotage your way out of it. So it does take some work to allow yourself to stay in that flow. So after you've started to experience more joy and you've done some work in that regard in your life or starting to take note of it, right, starting to be more aware of where it shows up in your life, the next step is E. So that's heal, right, H-E-E, is expand it. We really want to go deeper into our experience of joy, make it bigger. So this is going to be feeling it. Do you notice resistance? This is when we start to really take note of anything that wants to shut it down. So any of the self-sabotage that's showing up, any of that, we, now we start to kind of do some work on that part. What, what am I doing? What is driving that reaction I just had? Where did that come from? Is this something that I have done before to shut down joy? Um, the, you know, we, as I've said before, the way out is by going within. And locating any blocks to joy is what we do in this step. We expand it, we really allow it to show up, and then we notice any blocks. Maybe it's fear warning us that we are stepping out of our comfort zone, right? Could that be it? Usually that is the first, the first whispers of that self-sabotage showing up. Do we hear the inner critic showing up? You know, that where it says you're not good enough, um, you're not deserving of it, Right? Pay attention to that. Are we feeling the fear of vulnerability because we might lose it? Are we anticipating the next shoe dropping? That was mine. I remember actually talking um, in an ethics class. My poor um, ethics teacher didn't know what to do with me. Um, but, and, and we were talking about joy and just the purpose of life. And at the time, I was really coming from a place of, I said, well, you know, if you don't hope for anything, if you don't look forward to anything, then you'll have nothing to lose. And I really felt that way, you know, that there's an element of danger attached to experiencing joy. Because, you know, so often feeling joy makes us feel so vulnerable because we anticipate we're going to lose it. So locate the roots of the sabotage that it shows up for you. Is it, you know, are you resisting peace because chaos feels more normal? So you're, 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 you just started a fight with somebody, right? Are you stepping out of a family norm? What's going on? So this information helps us track the limiting beliefs that are causing the behavior that's sabotaging the joy and the abundance that we want to experience. So expanding our feelings of joy by making it bigger, then we can really highlight the limiting patterns and habits of our ego from this sort of observer, observer perspective. You know, what does it tell you about change? What does it tell you about what you deserve? What does it tell you about your worth? 
What are the possibilities that are showing up? Can you also hear another voice? Because you probably hear the critic, right, coming up. But can you also hear the voice of your inner authority, your inner parent or soul self? Uh, you know, this is where when we're doing the actual work on the joy, we're going to reveal the blocks, then we have to do the work like we always do on our pain. So if the inner critic is showing up and is trying to shut you down, this is where we got to do the inner critic work. And you can listen to my show on the inner critic to hear more about how that works. I'm not going to get into it now. But really, this is about, in essence, turning down the voice of the ego or the inner critic and turning up the voice of you, the big you. You know, you're, you can call it your inner parent, your, your divine self, your soul self, your expanded self, the self you are that's observing the inner critic, that one. What does that one say? So we can consciously make space for the new and expanded limits of, of joy by releasing, this is where we do the work of forgiving, undoing any outdated stories or patterns and beliefs, basically dismantling the blocks that are holding you back, the blocks that are keeping you stuck in this pattern of comfort or familiarity. So if resistance emerges, we just continue the work. Excavate, feel, examine, release. And, you know, when we make the unconscious parts of ourselves conscious, then we create the space for new choices, new limits of joy, and new, uh, oh, new abundance, which is what we want. Okay, now comes, so now we've worked, right? We're, we're kind of sweating here. We did the H, we did the E, and I will, <laughs> let me just say this before I go on to the, to the A, um, that this all can be done as a practice, you know, as, as we're working with joy when it emerges. And it, as all practices in the beginning, it takes some conscious direction and discipline to sit with it, but then it becomes second nature and we start to just do the work organically. Right. So A, A and L. Um, now we anchor with love. So A and L. A is anchor. L is love. We anchor the new pattern of expansion, the new limits. We we've created the new limits. We've we've been in there. We've released the blocks, and now we anchor those new limits in. So they're five inches away from the last, the last anchor. Right, the last um, boundary of our comfort zone. So by this time in the process, you should have been able to feel more fully, with more awareness and with more clarity, and you'll have a much deeper understanding of the, the resistance or the blocks that are showing up. And now we really want to anchor these new pathways or expansion limits into our awareness. Think of it as like a space stretcher. Every time you do this work, the limits expand outward and outward and outward. So now, the, now feel the feelings as fully as you can. That's important. I really want you to embody at this point or experience the sensations of the experience. When we, when we really somatically feel and we, we use breath, we can really anchor that experience into our body. So we use a body awareness to consciously feel and embody the sensations. So we might note the sensations um, and the scene 
right? What's happening? What does it feel like? Where do you feel it in your body? What does it look like? And as you do this, take a deep breath and just hold, just anchor the sensation in your body. And if any resistance shows up, exhale it, right? And just come back to this space of filling you with the sensation of joy. And I think visualization can work tremendously well here. We know that visualization is, is an incredible tool as far as change or shift. That's certainly been, um, been shown. And, I mean, if it doesn't work for you, certainly use what does. But I think, as a whole, visualization can be really helpful when we're doing this kind of anchoring concept. So you can actually visualize an area of energy around you you know, or in that space where you feel it, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So the joy is literally expanding. And maybe it's in your heart chakra or your heart area. And, and it starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And now it starts to fill your shoulders and your arms and your belly. And maybe it goes down your legs until now it's filling all of you. So you can visualize that. You can visualize an area around your body actually, almost like an egg or a bubble, growing out bigger and bigger and bigger. So a visualizing a, um, an expanded sense of um, limits. You might also visualize a new pathway being formed in your mind, literally. Or you can e even think of this like cutting ties to the old and really feeling that rush of new energy coming in. Whatever works for you how, you, how you anchor that into your body. But just really embodying the sensation of that. And when we love, right, when we love something, we, we ask, ask it to take up residence within us. We expand it. So we love it. Um, you know, another thing that anchors, before I forget, is if you can even do a hand gesture, even like a, a thumb and your forefinger as you feel the sensation of gratitude, you can create another, you can create a physical anchor, right? And it can be anything. I mean, you can, you can touch any of your fingers together, just make sure they're the same, you know? And um, then the next time you feel this sense of joy, do it, do the anchor, and that way you can assess any time you want to recall this new expanded joy pathway. So if you feel resistance to it, try recalling the anchor. The last step is the love piece. And that is when we love something, we expand it. And when we love something, we're grateful for it. The last step of anchoring it into our, into our mindset, into our psyche, is to be grateful. Gratitude is the antidote to vulnerability and the antidote to the subsequent self-sabotage that happens with joy. Because when we love something, we hold it close to us, we use it as a mirror for our own worthiness, and we appreciate it. So gratitude helps anchor the new awareness and expansion in our psyche. When we love something, we want to include it, we want to make it part of us. We expand it and we welcome change to take place. So like every emotion, joy has immense wisdom for us. It can, it can dangerously keep us in unconscious and self-sabotaging patterns and limiting experiences if we don't consciously work on it. 
And if we find ourselves in these patterns of you know, money issues or issues about not feeling balanced in our body or our lives, um, if we feel depressed, this is another way that joy is not showing up in our life or, or um, we're, we're not experiencing that sense of lightness. So working with joy is so vital to expanding our capacity for it, for abundance, for self-worth. And this practice, this HEAL practice that I've um, introduced in this podcast, you can do this when it shows up, when joy shows up. You have maybe, you you know, you get a... Um, some award at work or you have an experience of just bliss or you have a a moment of job well done and you're feeling that, ah, yeah, well done, joy, you know. So you can do it in those moments of joy Um, or you can do it by calling up the feeling of joy whenever you want to do this practice. So you can also do this practice by recalling feelings of joy. Either way, I just encourage you to do the work. I encourage you to practice. This work absolutely creates new neuropathways and new, new, maybe physiological because it's all one, right? Mind, body, spirit. Um, new limits, so you can fully embrace your joy in your life more, and and very importantly, um, release those unconscious patterns of self sabotage that may be showing up. Okay, um, thank you. I think that's the end of, I was looking over, you know, my notes that I took before the show. I, I tend to do like a little outline before the show and just sort of jot down some of the things that I wanted to talk about. And it looks like I've covered everything on there. And, you know, now it's your turn. I would love to hear feedback on this show. Have you worked with Joy before? Have you, are you surprised that you, you have to? Um, how are you doing with change in your life? And how do you think that by, by embracing your joy, it might change your life? Mm-hmm. So these are all the, the questions that I have for you. And I, as always, I, I love getting feedback from you guys. It's great to hear what's, what you've taken from these podcasts. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm humbled by the by many of the messages that I've received, either you sharing your story or you just telling me how helpful something I have said was for you and how you've utilized it in your own life. Um, I, I really appreciate that. This, this show is no you know, exception to that. Please feel free to get in touch with me, www.alekasky.com. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, show ideas, about anything that I've talked about today. If you feel like you'd want to learn more about what coaching is or the kind of work that I do, um, I have, well, looking at my schedule, I have some openings for August, but those are going quickly. Um, but I would be happy to, to I guess I, phone work is a little bit, I have a few openings here um, for that. So if you don't live in Charleston, South Carolina, and you're willing to work via phone, I have more opportunities to work with you then. But I I would be happy to answer any questions that you have about what coaching is and how it could work for you in your own life. As always, I am am so very grateful, doing my own little joy practice here, that you are listening and that you continue to listen and you continue to give me such such great feedback. Um, you are my, 
you all, all my listeners, all my clients, all the people that I work with, um, and ask such phenomenal questions. And these really are the ways I come up with the topics of the show. So feel free to pass to pass them along. You can also find me on Facebook under Aloha Healing Arts or my name, Aleka Thorvalson. I'm also on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Just the many, many ways to get in touch. Okay, I hope you enjoyed this show. I certainly enjoyed getting this information out. I think it's it's not something that is talked about as often as it needs to be. I think we focus more on the painful aspects of life and the work that we do rather than on really working with the joy part. So thank you so much for listening, and until next time, take care. <laughs>